0: You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Locked On Indians. I'm your host, Jeff Ellis. We are going to continue our look at the NL Central, trying to find trades, right? I mean, that's the whole point of this right now, is trying to find parts and pieces that could make sense for a Cleveland Indians team that is looking for ways to hopefully improve themselves. Uh, There's some issues in general with the Indians, we know this. The outfield uh, is one of those areas that is a bit of a disaster show. So we're trying to figure out ways that the Indians can get better, looking at the margins and kind of going team by team. So we already talked about the Cardinals on yesterday's show. Um, we're going to start with the Reds today. Reds are a really interesting team for many reasons. One, they would appear on paper to be kind of stretched out in terms of payroll. You now they're paying Joey Votto $25 million uh, through 2023. Mike Moustakis gets t- $14 million, $16 million, and $18 million. Eugenio Suarez has a contract through 2024. Nick Castellanos has opt outs the next two years. We make 16, 14, 16, 16. Uh, Shogo Akiyama, who, you know, if you listen to this podcast, I was a big fan of, but didn't necessarily have the best debut, is at 6, 7, and 8 million. Uh, Sonny Gray is about 10 million a year, which, as we know for a starter, is not that much. Wade Miley is somewhere around 8 on average. But this is a team that uh, Trevor Bowers, of course, Going to be a free agent, and he has talked about, you know, he had a blast, he'd like to return there, uh, that it was the best coaching he'd had, and we've talked about the amazing job the uh, coaching staff has done in Cincinnati. Now, Cincinnati could undoubtedly use pitching. If Bauer walks, uh, you do have Gray and Wade Miley and Luis Castilla and Tyler Molly, but who's that fifth guy? And when you go and you look at the Reds' depth chart, I you look at their prospects there isn't a whole bunch of names to jump out that can help them anytime soon i guess you're maybe hoping for nick lodolo and but I, I don't even think you're looking at him as a 2021 guy necessarily they don't really have that picture where i look at them and go oh that's gonna be a starter now they have some starters uh in their bullpen that have been relievers for a while guys i their entire bullpen is is former starters as a matter of fact Amir Garrett was a starter coming up through the minors. Archie Bradley, Lucas Sims, Michael Lorenzen, Robert Stevenson. Uh, I guess the fifth starter could be uh, TJ. And Tuan, who faced the Indians as a starter earlier in the year, he might be their best bet. But, yeah, or, you know, looking at some of their injured guys, do they give Jesse Bedell a chance? Uh, Does Jose De Leon get another start? I, I don't know. But... Long story short, I mean, even, you know, looking at uh, who was on their extent roster, Anthony uh, De Scalafini is a free agent to be. Tony Santillian has always been an interesting pitcher, pitching prospect, but has always struck me as just a reliever all the way, two-pitch guy with a, a big fastball. Sal uh, Romano is another, you know, all-the-way reliever. Ryan Hendricks was a, an interesting pitcher in college maybe Texas A&M I believe he's the one who was drafted by the Indians out of high school but uh, there were always at points control problems with him and then you just looked at Brandon Finnegan remember when I mean, I was high, as high on him as anyone and that just has not come together for them uh, Lynn Richardson who they took one pick before they took Josiah Gray and gave him uh, a significant amount of money in 18 and I just feel like that hasn't quite come together for them uh, Hunter Green, who they gave all that money in 2017 and he got hurt. And I personally thought he was a generational talent at the time, so I can't, again, I don't have an issue with the approach. It's just the guys haven't developed properly. But this sets things up well for the Indians, because as I mentioned, especially if Nick Castellanos does not opt out because of the uncertainty that's going to occur this offseason, which is a very good possibility. Uh, he's set to make $14 million, which is not a ton, but I, I don't know if anyone feels comfortable in what the market's going to be. And you look at this as a team, if he's still out there and right, uh, you're looking at, you know, Nick Sanzal is probably their center fielder. Uh, He did not have a great year this year. That makes, you know, it was very shortened. But as you recall in all the pieces talking about like a Lindor to the Reds trade last offseason, he didn't particularly excel in 2019 either. So now that you've got well, yeah. So, 2020 was only 23 games, which again you can say small sample size, but negative WAR value in those 23 games, and then 2019 with 104 games didn't even put a uh, one WAR. So, I mean, his trade value is is way, way, way down. Uh, defensively, he's actually been okay in center by some metrics, but I assume they'll give him another chance because there's just there's not a lot of value in having Sinzel. Uh, to trade him right now. It's th- it's just not there. So if he's in center, Castellanos is in right. If they don't bring back the DH, then you would assume Jesse Winkler, who had a, really came on towards the end of the year, is in left field. That means Akiyama doesn't have a place. It means Brian Goodwin, who they traded for, doesn't have a, a spot. Orestes uh, Aquino, who didn't have a particularly great year, he had the big breakout in 2019 where he hit all those home runs and we all knew he was going to come back to earth. And then 23 games this year Uh, he struggled, you know, to put it kindly, he was more of the guy that uh, most projected him to be so I'm not sure exactly if he is a guy that uh, any team wants to really chase, but there are some interesting players on this Reds team in general just getting past those uh, the main players we mentioned there uh, their extended site had a player that stood out to me and uh You know, if they're going to... Brian Goodwin, they got at a pretty cheap price. I mean, they got Archie Bradley at a pretty cheap price. I thought the Reds had a great deadline. And they were kind of left for darn near dead around the deadline. This is a team that was really far out of it and managed to fight their way back into the postseason. didn't last long there, but, uh, you know, they they got there, which was something that at the deadline was far from a sure thing. And I don't know if Goodwin is someone that they necessarily have long-term plans on. The nice thing when you acquire him is that he, uh, you have control for through 2022. uh, Made 2.2 million this year. I assume he will probably get a raise uh, in free agency because he had a solid year. He was maybe not great, but he was a solid corner outfielder, which, as we know, as Indians fans, uh, solid sounds amazing right now, doesn't it? You know, having a guy with a 92 WRC, yes, I'll take that. Uh, He was a 109 for the Angels, not as strong, barely played for the Reds. Or 109 was in uh, 2019, I'm sorry. Uh, 2020 played for both the Reds and uh, the Angels, and was a 92. But again, uh, there's production value there as opposed to what the Indians had. And then the other player I think I have to mention is not Nick Senzel, people might be thinking of that, is Mark Payton. Now, Payton is a really interesting case. Uh, he was drafted by the Indians as a junior out of Texas, went back for his senior year, was a senior signed by the Yankees, uh, great hitter in college, uh, always walked at a good rate, and you know was kind of an empty average with um, good walk rates. When the Athletics took him in the Rule 5 draft, uh, or I'm sorry, no, when the Athletics acquired him, it was not the Rule 5 draft, he was Rule 5 eligible at the end of last year, was not rostered. The Athletics, before the, uh, the 2019 season, they adjusted his swing, and his ground ball rate went from, let me pull it up right in front of me here, his ground ball percentage was sitting around 45 most years in the minors, sometimes even higher, it dropped to 34 His first year at the Athletics. And by the way, he had 30 home runs after never having had more than seven in a season before that. A massive change. Now, he was playing in Las Vegas. The AAA ball did seem awfully juiced. But this was a guy who walked at a high, you know, over 10% walk rate for his minor league career. Strikeout rate was in the teens, or strikeout percentage, I should say, in the teens. Good bat pip numbers, good, uh, you know, runs created plus. I mean, is he just a fourth outfielder? Maybe. Uh, is he the exact type of guy I talk about the teams uh, sometimes missing on? Absolutely. He's a corner outfielder who's five foot eight, who is a senior draft pick, who, while being productive, has always been looked at as extremely limited. He hit 30 home runs a year ago with a 10% rock rate, a 17% strikeout rate. Again, AAA, Las Vegas. But... He didn't touch the majors until the Reds acquired him uh, in a minor deal, and he only got uh, eight games, 20 plate appearances. Uh, That's the type of guy, if you can get him cheap, if you can flip uh, a smaller piece, if that's one of those situations where the Reds, uh, you know, uh, even Pletko for Peyton's probably too much, but maybe there's a world where you can flip a, a, you know, Pletko for, for Peyton and Goodwin or something along those lines. Maybe you can acquire two potential players. I think Peyton is a high floor fourth outfielder with a chance for more. Uh, He's exactly the type of guy I've talked about on this show. The the highly productive player whose limitations have outshadowed his production. So yeah, Mark Peyton is totally a name. Uh, The cheaper, the better you can get for him. He is the type of guy that I wanna target and go for Brian Goodwin. Uh, if the Reds get crazy and they're willing to move Jesse Winkler in a heartbeat, if I can get Jesse Winkler and Mark Payton and I'm, again, flipping them a Tristan McKenzie type of arm, uh, I'm good with that because you have Moss, you have Henkes, you have Morgan, you have all those arms. Now is the time to flip some of your starting pitching depth and get that outfielder. Jess Winkler is a really good player and would be an ideal get. And if you can get a Mark Payton, who could be a player who breaks out for you as well, all the better. Built Bar is our sponsor. And and what more can I say? I have a Built Bar sitting next to me right now. I have the pumpkin chocolate chip cookie. Uh, That is what I had for breakfast today. That is what I will have for breakfast tomorrow. I'm a little upset with myself because uh, we had a COVID scare at work. So it was a teach from home week to get those 14 days up. I tested negative but uh, I left my supply of uh, various Bilt Bars in my desk at work. So uh, everyone's healthy, everyone's good. So that's A, the most important thing, but B, man, I miss having my variety. I miss all the different types of fantastic products that you can get with Built Bar. Go there, check it out for yourself. I really recommend just getting the, uh, the mixed box and seeing what's there, what you like. The new versions are great. I can I can't speak highly enough of them remember when you go to Bilt Bar you're going to use that promo code locked on that's going to get you a discount on your order and this is maybe my favorite advertiser in the history of the program is the advertiser I've used the most it's the advertiser I go back to because it's good I love how it tastes BuiltBar.com. should we talk about the Reds some more I mean uh, they're an interesting team I like what they're starting to do and get in place their minor leagues are not ideal let's just kind of put it there and leave it at that. They don't have a ton to deal from from there. So that is where I kind of... I'm hoping Castilianos, which I know is not how you say his name now that I've said it like three times wrong. uh, I know he is uh, probably... I have no idea if he's going to opt in or out. Let's just be honest. I don't know. Uh, He started out the year really hot and then cooled down as well. So I don't... I'm almost betting he opts in. That's my guess right now. He opts in. It makes it a lot easier for them to consider moving somebody like Jesse Winkler and the Reds really because of their depth and because of the clear need for a starter are the team that makes the most sense with the Cleveland Indians. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm willing to talk a a better starter if it gets you a better player. You know, I am willing to sit down and figure something out, but we know the Indians and Reds have had talks in the past we know they're potential trade partners. I think that they make a ton of sense. Now, obviously, as I spent all this time on the Reds, we are not going to get through uh, the entire Central Division today. So let's uh, let's bounce around. I'm going to have us go over and talk about the Milwaukee Brewers. A team that was fascinating to me a year ago because they cut so much salary and then signed a bunch of short-term players. And that's what's going to show when you look at this Brewers team is when I pull up their whole chart for you know money spent uh you know Ryan Braun has a mutual option that doesn't get picked up uh, club option on Eric Sogard probably doesn't get picked up uh Jed Gayorko club option Ben Gamel club option so you got Lorenzo Cain who opted out you have Christian Yelich who is the face of the franchise had a rough year but uh, great player. You got Lynn Blome, who's making three million a year, uh, to go with. You know, Brett Anderson will be a free agent, but Woodruff and Burns looked amazing last year, and their bullpen. Man, I even forgot about Corey Knebel uh, because he's been hurt so much. Uh, I think their best track to anything is trading Josh Hader. Uh, they did get Dan Vogelbach when he was let go. Oh, I forgot to mention one fun thing with the Reds. When I was going down to look at, like, deferred payment, how about the fact that uh, Ken Griffey Jr. is still getting deferred payments from the Reds, Uh, and he's going to through 2024 at least. I had forgotten about that. Uh, The Brewers need a lot of things. Uh, You know, uh, Omar Navarez I thought was a great get, and then he just completely fell flat on his face for them. Uh, They don't necessarily have a first baseman. They don't have a catcher. Keston Huara didn't take the step forward, I think a lot of people were hoping. Neither did Luis Urias. Uh, they got. They made the postseason, but that was almost entirely on the strength of their pitching. And between their starters and their relievers, uh, they were in some respects like the Indians of the NL. They just had really strong starters, a strong pen, and a really questionable lineup. So I bring that all up because I don't see a path to an Indians-Brewers trade. Because the Brewers need bats, the Indians need bats. You've heard me talk about on this podcast. The Brewers probably have the worst miners in baseball. I don't know where they go. I mean, even just looking on roster resources, which is like my go-to number of players who were overall in their power rank of uh, bats uh, in the top 150, They, they only had one player in the top 100, and that was Jelic at 59. Uh Orlando Arcia, the short or yeah, the shortstop actually had a, a bounce back here for them and uh, ended very strong. He was at one forty one, Keston Huara was at one twenty three, but that's it. So this is a team that has a very weak minors to begin with, does not have a lot of help coming and struggled mightily to get offensive production. So yeah. We can just go ahead and cross out the Brewers. Moving on. Pittsburgh Pirates are an interesting one just because there are some names, but what are they honestly going to consider trading? Would they move Adam Frazier, who's, you know, almost 29? I I don't think so. Cabron Hayes looked great uh, towards the end of the year when he got called up, so that gives him a second, a third baseman. Uh, Colin Moran had a solid year, so that's at first. Josh Bell had a a regression year, in my opinion, so uh, you just hope if— and I guess this is where it gets interesting because— if the National League doesn't keep the DH, Bell moves back to first, where does Moran go? You want Cabron Hayes to play every day. Could Colin Moran be someone who is tradable? Very possibly. Like that That's a name to know just from that because he might be squeezed out of a spot between the bigger name prospects. Uh, Brian Reynolds came back to earth. Gregor Polanco never really lived up to his hype. Uh, Jared Olivier was another top prospect who got some time with them this year. Uh, they're pitching was, I mean, Joe Mus- Musgrove ended up having a pretty strong year for them as did Stephen Brault. I don't know if they're really going to look to trade. I mean, their entire rotation's under 30. Uh, their entire lineup is under 30. They don't have that older talent that they would maybe consider moving on from. Now, they were a team that was beat up. Lots of injuries. Uh, just a lot of players on the injured list. You know, does someone try to buy cheaply on a Chris Archer? I don't see them... There's no reason for them to rush to trade a Chris Archer. It's like, try to establish some value. Same thing with James Tyon. Maybe you can establish some value there before you move on. But man, they're just... They're a mess. Because, you know, guys like that, those two players should be prime trade assets for them, and they're not. Or uh, Kiona Ke- Kalei, who is their closer, should be another prime trade asset, but he's not. Uh, I just... Gosh, it's just you feel bad. And then... Top pro, I mean their top prospect, not in the majors. O'Neill Cruz uh, killed someone in a car accident uh, this off season, so it's just I don't know what you do with the Pirates. I don't know what the Pirates are willing to move. I think your best hope when you're looking for those kind of fringe bat types is Colin Moran, and he had a 114 wRC plus this year, a 94 a year ago, a 102 the year before that. He's been closer to average pretty bad defender never been worth one war in terms of his uh, overall production he had 10 home runs this year in 52 games the year before he had 13 and 142 and 11 and 144 so that 10 is a pretty big jump for him relative to his typical production i i just don't know even his value or worth because if you decide that he is the guy to uh to move to first base with Santana gone, then you're just getting a guy who most years in the past has been closer to average and a bad defender there. So, Pittsburgh, I mean, if they were willing to talk Brian Reynolds, does that maybe intrigue someone? It would be a heavy cost, and they would want you're probably looking at some of the prospects that are a little further away, and I feel like they would probably be asking for someone like George Valera, because remember, Brian Reynolds in 2019 was awesome. A 131 WRC plus, he hit 314, and this year he came back and hit 189. So the the decision or the feel to maybe wanna move him, I just don't think it's gonna be there because you're selling low, and if you're a team, why sell low on a guy in year two? So long story short, I don't think Pittsburgh makes a ton of sense either at this point in time. Uh, maybe if they were willing to talk about Adam Frazier, that's the the other guy that I could see. Um, highly productive. I mean, rel- okay, so, you know, highly productive being uh, 97 WRC plus and an 81 this year, 97 the year before. Uh, close to a league average bat who's an excellent defender. Like, if you're the Indians, I don't know if you want to go with another guy who's going to be... A below-average bat at any position Uh, so you can probably just go ahead and say thanks but no thanks to the Pirates and that'll leave us for the Cubs for Monday and then we'll start talking NL East going deep there Cubs are another interesting squad Uh, we'll get to talk about them in depth a team that uh, really fell apart down the stretch and they've got a lot of things to figure out on their own as they're trying to figure their team out in general. It'll be a fun talk, uh, so make sure to tune in then. I think I have figured out the volume issue with the mic because I am now not right on top of it again, but uh, the numbers, the things seem to be going up higher on here, so I apologize if there has been sound issues the past few days. I am not technically skilled, to put it lightly. I have been Jeff Ellis. This has been the Locked in Indians Podcast. I want to thank you all for listening. Remember, rate and review, download. Uh, share, tell a friend, all of that is so important to our show. You can find me on Twitter at JeffMLBDraft and as always Go Tribe!